three, two, one. Welcome to the System and Soul podcast, a place for founders and entrepreneurs to discover breakthrough in their business. I'm Benj Miller, fellow founder, business coach, and your host. This is your place to gain clarity and control as you lead through the challenges you face every day in your business. Running a business is just hard, so we're bringing you the conversations with people who are figuring it out, have figured it out, to help you find breakthrough. Welcome to the System and Soul podcast. System and Soul, welcome back. We've got a fun one for you today. We've been waiting to get this one recorded for a while, been missing each other. So we're going to have a lot of fun, but it's my first time actually getting to hang out with this guest, although I've uh, heard about her from secondhand from a lot of people and uh, everybody says, hey, we should talk, we should talk, we should talk. We are here with Tracy Morrow and Tracy is a coach, a speaker, an author, uh, a million things. She'd rather me introduce you, you herself as a mom, a friend, uh, a grandmother now of two, which if you watch the video, you would never believe. Um, so Tracy, welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to spend this time with you. Yeah. And we teed this up. So I'll give us a little preview here. We talked about uh, what we're going to talk about, the three things that are on your mind. And really, they all revolve around relationships. But the first one's leading yourself first. Mm -hmm. And then what it looks like, how we build healthy relationships. And lastly, this is a fun one. I don't know if we've ever talked marriage on the podcast before. I'd have to think really hard. So we're probably coming up on 300 episodes and I'm not sure we've tackled marriage. So I, I love that and I love how it relates to leadership. So we've got to start with the ungoogleable, unknown fact about Tracy Morrow. What <laughs> inner world can you let us into that we don't know about? I don't know if this is Googleable. Um, but I am on a video game. So, uh, it is called, it's called P90X for Xbox. And I don't know if that game is even out there anymore, but that made me very hip and cool when my firstborn son was in college that his mom was on <laughs> an Xbox game, but you could like log in. And when you did it, it was of course an exercise thing, but I, you I would come up on a split screen and you could try to keep up with me and try to match the heart rate or beat me. Or, um, of course with Tony Horton, the, the creator of P90X, but it was very fun, very hard to do, but fun to step onto a set that was like a video game, you know, yeah. very fun. Yeah. That's probably a very small percentage of people that can say that. That's pretty cool. I went through a P90X phase, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> well, you know, can you believe he is still going? Tony Horton is going to be, I was just with him in California last week with he and his wife, Shauna, wonderful, dear friends. Let me just tell you something funny. I showed up, my plane got delayed and delayed and delayed. I came in from Denver. I used to live in LA and I came in and I was staying with him for a week to film his new program, which I think is going to surpass P90X, if you can believe that. But he's still going. He's going to turn 65 um, this year. And I get into their home and I go into their, wheel my my um, suitcase into the guest bedroom, which is beautiful. They have a robe for me on the bed. But here's the thing about Tony Horton, who's like a brother to me. 
there is a rubber snake on my pillow laid out. I was at a heart attack. It's like this really dangly, rubbery, rubbery, like any movement. And it moves like a real rattlesnake. Oh my gosh, that guy. So anyway, that's, that's great. a funny insider Tony Horton story, but. Love it. We'll take it. He's still right, going. Let's, let's talk about your, your, I think this from reading your stuff might be your primary passion is just this idea of leading yourself well, leading yourself first. Uh, talk, talk about where that comes from for you and what's important. Yeah, I, um, I didn't go to college. Well, I did go to college. I went to college for one semester and found that I went for art to be a graphic artist. And I found that it was just, I had to do all this other stuff in order to get to the art. I had to do everyone who went to college and graduated college is like, we all did that, Tracy. <laughs> for me, I was like, why do I still have to do math and science and history <laughs> and all this stuff to get to the actual art? And so I dropped out and went to work for a graphic arts company. And, um, my dad said, you know, Tracy, you're really good with people and you're good with hair. Why, why don't you, why don't you go and get your license to do hair? And so I'd been doing all my friends hair since I was young. Why people put scissors in, allowed me to put scissors in my hands as a 14 year old and cut their hair. I have no idea, but I was like, yes, I can do this. <laughs> Anyway, so I got my license with the idea that I needed to, um, that I was going to need to train, train myself as a business person. And so if, since I wasn't going to go the traditional route of college, I would need to get a business, um, education myself. So I found John Maxwell when I was 21 and I started learning from him. And what I've started learning was like business is about people. And you can always find somebody who can partner with you. And in fact, you should staff your weaknesses in the areas that you aren't strong in but get really good with people and you will be really good in business. And that was like, I already had a natural bent with people, but to get good with people that set me on the journey to really learning about myself. What, what made, what makes a person good with people? Where were my weak spots? Where wasn't I, because I, as a young person was naturally good with people like a skill, mm. but if you don't develop a skill, what happens it, you know, you know, that old saying in sports or whatever, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So I knew intuitively that I was good with people, but I didn't necessarily love people. So people who didn't get it or didn't, who were hard, like there was a, a rub between yeah. our personalities or whatever, I, they annoyed me. They, I was like, I don't want to have to work with them. Well, I knew that was, that was wrong. That was something in me that it was, I knew I didn't right. go, well, they've got a problem. Well, my youth did, they've got a problem. I don't want to work with them. I, I knew intuitively that's a problem with me. And from learning from John, I was realizing more and more, uh, that's a problem in me. And how can I grow in that? And so that's really sent me on the journey of learning about myself and how to better love, serve, understand, and work with people. Yeah. So how did that translate into the realization that you had to lead yourself first? Well, because I am the person who is in every relationship that I have, <laughs> and I'm, I'm the only person that I can control. So uh, I, you know, I started... John really was big on taking assessments about yourself. And, and while some people might feel like that kind of can put you in a box, 
I tended to not allow it to think, allow myself to think of that, putting myself in a box rather than learning something new about myself, learning blind spots about myself. We all have blind spots. We all have things about ourselves that we are too close to ourselves to see that we don't experience, uh, we don't know what it is to experience us and what people are seeing on our facial expressions or in our body language. And so I really started in um, with what a path of discovering who I am, why I am the way I am, why I respond in the way I do, why I maybe if somebody says something to me, why I might have a response to them in a negative way, or rather than hearing what maybe are they actually trying to tell me rather than responding defensively, maybe, um, rather than trying to think what are, what is the real meaning behind what they're actually trying yeah. to say to me? I made assumptions as a young person. I think we as humans make a lot of assumptions rather than asking questions, which John is really a, a great mentor for teaching you how to ask questions. He even wrote a book called good leaders ask great questions. Mm -hmm. And really I started asking those questions of me. And so I started taking assessments to discover myself and that really was put me on that path. So the first thing was I need to take care of me before I can, you have to know yourself to grow yourself. So I first needed to find me and not like, oh, I need to set out to find myself, but really discover who am I, what makes me tick so that I can better reach other people, not to obsess over myself, but to, to better go and, and meet people where they are. I needed to find where I was. And yeah. so assessments, personality assessments, gift, ass there's a ton of them out, th out there, sure. find which, whichever one gifting assessments. Um, Pat Lincioni has a great book out called the six types of working genius. Mm -hmm. That book, the people I mentor and coach right now, I am just having them take that assessment because so many people are in a wrong spot, placed in the wrong spot in their, in their yeah. work environment and just a little small tweaking or a, just step to the side and just do this part in that whole working cog is just a huge, uh, change, um, for their mental well-being, um, taking care of yourself physically, mentally, spiritually, we're all one. And if we just focus on men taking care of ourselves mentally, but we don't take care of our spiritual and our physical body, or we are taking care of just our body and we're letting go and not yeah. focusing on our mental or our spiritual or just our spiritual, but you know, take missing one and we're missing a whole we're multifaceted. And so we need to make yeah. sure that we're taking care of all of us. So we show up as our each day as our next best version of ourselves. I'm going to guess that you're further in your journey than most people. So in your, in your both well-roundedness and your intentionality, what are some of your best practices to make sure that you're not getting out of touch? You know, you went through the process to learn yourself, but that, doesn't end like we keep no. evolving. So you've got to keep learning yourself. What are some of your practices that you, you keep to stay really intentional? Oh, that's a great question. So every day I, when I wake up, first of all, I, I, I exercise every, every day. And, and now that I'm in my fifties, I will say I'm learning to listen to my body in a different way. First, I had to get the, into the routine of exercising. Um, and now that I'm each, each phase, I hold it loosely 
to what my body is needing in that phase. So the first phase when I was younger is just incorporating it daily into making an appointment with myself and keeping that appointment with myself. So if that was before I had kids, it was, I taught classes because that kept me accountable. If I was the yeah. teacher, <laughs> yeah. I know myself, I'll make a million excuses for myself and I let myself off the hook. So I, when I make myself the teacher, then I can't skip the class. But then when I had children, then I would just started getting, you know, my husband would come home from work and I would hand off the kids to him and I would go for a run. Well, then as I got a little bit older and sports and afternoon and evening events, I couldn't do that as much. So then I would get up before they got up. So I just made sure that in every season of my life, I set an appointment with myself and I tried to make it kind of like James Clear Atomic Habits. If you haven't read that book, that's a great yeah. book. If you have a hard time setting a habit and keeping it, um, that's a great book for that. But I, I tried to wedge it in a place in my life that I could, didn't allow myself to wiggle out of it. Every day I'm a person of faith. So I'm, I'm up early before my kids and I would read, you know, I'm in my, in my Bible, whether that's on my Bible app or in my actual hands, I like a book in my hands. So I'll read my Bible and journal. And I have a, I'm, I always have one to five books that I, I am reading at any given time. And I'm a little bit like that. Maybe that's a little ADD or ADHD that I have books that are all tabbed and I have like little tabs that I make notes to myself and I tab books and I, I don't have a problem writing in books notes. Those are notes to myself. There are yeah. notes on my phone and, um, I have a, an, you know, I have, I had a, has six kids. I only have two left in the home still, but I always had, you know, my menu plans and shopping done so that that was taken care of. So I knew that for the week. Um, and just tried to have an organization so that I was feeding my, my body. Well, I was taking care of my body. I was taking care of my mind. I was taking care of my spiritual self. And then I brought people alongside of me to ask me how I was doing. I am a yes person. I try to say yes as often as possible. And the, every gift has an underbelly or, or, um, kind of a, a bad side to it. And so the problem with that is I needed to, I had very tiny, teeny, tiny margins in my life for downtime. So I'd run myself ragged and my husband would, Casey would say, you know, you need bigger margins in your life. Um, and because you need downtime. And so that's true because I get sick. I'm the sickest healthy person, you know, because I, I don't say no enough. So I have to learn to say no. So I would ask people who I trust and value and who I know care about me to ask me, are you saying no, Tracy? So I wasn't, some people might struggle with saying yes more. Like you say no too right. much right. for me. I would, I need, I said yes too much. And then I, you know, once you say yes, you have to actually follow through on that. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so. that leads us so, so beautifully into this second conversation, which is healthy relationships. So even inviting somebody in to be that mm -hmm. healthy protector, right. And, yeah. and have your back in a area that you're vulnerable. I, I mean, that's, that seems like a perfect illustration, but I don't know what, what is a healthy relationship and what, what do we need to do more intentionally in that area of our lives? Well, it's in sometimes in relationships, you have to be willing every year. I pick a word for the year and this year, my word is boundaries and that there are great books on boundaries. Dr. Henry cloud has a great book called boundaries. If you follow him on Instagram, he gives you all sorts of up to, up to the moment, 
um, wonderful things on boundaries. If you struggle with boundaries, both personally, professionally, um, but for me, boundaries are for myself, for, for learning to keep my ma my margins, um, because I'm 53, I'll be 53 tomorrow. And, oh, um, <laughs> thank you. But I, I, um, I'm still learning. I am still learning because it's just in me to embrace and to go forward, but I need people in my life. And I have brought, you know, who, who helped me to keep the things, the main things, the main things. And I have had people in my life, you know, you have to have it in your mind that it's not going to be perfect with relationships. And sometimes you invite people in who have ulterior, ulterior motives, or they aren't trustworthy, or they're just for a season. Not everybody yeah. who is starts with you ends with you. Um, and I've learned that and, and it's okay to hold those things loosely, hold them with open hands and understanding that, um, loving people doesn't always mean that they have to walk the whole journey with you. And it's okay to just, as long as you keep moving, but we have to let people in. Um, and that's part of understanding ourselves. Cause if we are a little too protective because of something that has happened in our past, we need to address those things so yeah. that we can move forward and continue to invite people in. We need people personally and professionally, because there is that fine line in the professional world that I've found that they we're human beings in a professional setting. And I think sometimes we try to keep this, yeah. this is our, our professional life and this is our personal life, yeah. but we are moms, dads, husbands, boy, boyfriends, girlfriends, daughters, sons. We all have this personal life that is going on and we go to work to do this task. And if we're going to love and care about the people that we do work with in the marketplace, then whether that's ministry or for, pro for profit or not for profit, we have to learn to have these relationships with people so that they feel highly valued and cared for, that we see them and that they aren't just this worker bee who comes to work and does their thing and then leaves and we don't know anything about them. It was always my, my desire and I've messed up and maybe we'll get into that or maybe if you've hear more from me in the future, you'll, you'll start <laughs> to hear more of my story, but I, I have messed up, but I don't regret any of those mess ups. I mean, I wish I don't, we all wish we would have done it perfectly the first time, but I, I've messed up with the best of intentions with my people because mm, I yeah. cared about them. And, uh, I want them to know if anything that they are, that they are valued and that I see them and I try to know their spouse's name, if they're married, their boyfriend or girlfriend's name, if they're dating, uh, what, what their desire is for their life and ask about who they are personally. If they're taking care of an elderly parent, if they're estranged from their parent, uh, I want them to know I pray for them. Even if they aren't a person of faith, I want them to know I care about them so much. I bring them into my personal prayers because I care about them that much, whether they believe in that stuff or not. I want them to know they're in my heart and I carry, carry them and want their best. Yeah. And, and I don't want to put any of my beliefs or my thoughts or anything on them. I just want them to know I carry them in my, in my heart and I value them so much. I'm going to show up for them when I'm with them and I'm going to show up for them when I'm not with them. Yeah. And that I think creates a work environment where people, when they feel valued, they show up differently. And when they feel like they're just a number or just a person who's hired, they show up differently. Absolutely. 
I, um, I, I, my peer group is a bunch of guys that own their own business and most of them own a hundred percent of their business. So they all think I'm absolutely crazy because I've got partners in my businesses. I, I, you know, I do things with people. I go in business with my friends, you know, that's like this yeah. big, like never going to don't do that. Yeah. I'm like, look, here's the deal. It's messy. Relationships yeah. are messy. Business is rip messy. If I find somebody and they're the person I want to do messy with, then I'm good. And we just have a yeah. conversation like, Hey, it's going to get messy at some point. Let's Absolutely. anticipate that. And let's be committed to each other going through the messy and yeah. so far so good. You know, I'm sure I'm more vulnerable that, than other people, um, in that space. You know, there's lots of, uh, daggers out there that could get thrown my way, but I, I just choose like, Hey man, we have one life and we, you know, we, it's way more fun to do it with other people when you really care about each other and you're willing to address the mess. Yes. You are so talking my language. That's even in the title of my book, your beautiful, messy, one of a kind love story. So the book is called real life marriage, but the subtitle is your beautiful, messy, one of a kind love story. But truly that is like, it is a beautiful, messy, one of a kind story. Like live your great, there's this tagline that I always use when I, I, I bought stickers, I hand it out to anybody who joins my team I, there. It's on my water bottle, but it says live a great story. And to me, why don't we want to have the people who we love live by us, work with us. And even if we're hiring people that we don't know yet <laughs> or onboarding people that we don't know yet, I want to love them and have them become my good friends. Yeah, yeah. I want us to become a working. And now that's, that's where I got into trouble when I, where I, because I have six kids, I am naturally, I'm a member of a, I'm one of a huge, I have a huge family. My mom's two parents, my grandparents had nine kids from those nine kids who got married and had kids who had kids who had kids. There are like 180 of us just from those two grandparents. We have just huge family and we gather together. We've gathered together for years and years and years. It's like a small city when we gather and I love it. I love it. And it's messy. Somebody always gets in a huge fight. Somebody, at least somebody, like at least there's one fight. Yeah. There is, it is messy and it is, but I grew up with that messy. And that to me was intimacy. It's intimacy when I care about you enough to have a hard, messy conversation with you for the purpose of resolution, not for the purpose of hurting you and tearing you down. Right. That's the difference. Yes. If that we are afraid of messy, if we don't want resolution and we just want to hurt the other person, that's when messy is bad. And, yeah. and that's when, because it hasn't been shown to us correctly, we are just there to claim the hill and win and fight to the death. But if we're there to go through the messy to get to the healthy again, that healthy on the other side of messy, that messy in the middle has bound us together in a way and knit our hearts together in a way that right. staying on the surface never, ever can touch. Yes. Like there's no comparison. Staying on the surface is so surfacey. It's so... Yeah. 
it's benign. But it's when like you go going to the, war with somebody and you come yes. back and you're, you're, you're brothers for life. Yes, absolutely. And that can happen in friends, friendships that can happen in your home, that can happen in your, your workplace. And hopefully it does if we, and again, it goes back to understanding and growing myself, knowing my, it's what John Maxwell says, know yourself to grow yourself. If I know myself, I grow myself and the people in my sphere of influence, my, my family first, and then in my workplace and my team, if I get walk my team through those, those steps of understanding themselves, and then how does that work with different personalities? How do I show up with each different personality and interact with their past and how their filters and how they're interacting with me? Then we're all growing together, but we're also growing closer to one another. Yeah. And I, it just makes for, it's makes for just a really, a really a great story. It does. Um, I want to move on because I do not want to run out of time. I'm excited to talk to you about your book, about marriage, about if we get there, the five pillars of marriage, all that. What, <laughs> what, um, what got you so into being a voice for marriage? Uh, because it was very hard. <laughs> okay. That's, that, those are the best teachers. I, I agree. And I think because it was, because it was hard for us, we've been married, it'll be 33 years this year. And it is, again, we've gone through the messy that has knit us together in a way that there's nothing can compare to what we've built together. And I don't think that's just for, I think people would look at us today and say, um, I mean, we're st we still have messy. That's the beauty of it. We're very, two very different people. We come from two very different backgrounds and, um, and we've knit ourselves together through the messy and we looked for tools because we didn't want to give up. And as a result of those tools, we could have given up a few times, um, because it just got so hard where it was almost like we were speaking two different languages. Our filters were so different in how we viewed things, but yet we still loved each other and we wanted something that seemed so hard to get there. Yeah. And so we just, I read books. I was turning over every rock. I, I was wanting to find answers and really tools so we could reach one another really. And so the, the, the reason I wrote the book is I just thought, this isn't just for us. This can't be just for us. We have lots of dear friends and family members who've gone through divorces. Casey, my husband has been through a divorce before me. It isn't like, I can see how it happens, but I also can see, we say so many times, imagine if we had given up, imagine if we, we would have missed this, if we hadn't yeah. stayed in the uncomfortable. And that's not to shame anybody who, who, who didn't, who it didn't work out, but this is showing a, a different way of like, well, you could, if you both are willing and you both want to, these are the tools that worked for us. And I show the different examples of how we were immature and how, how it was hard and clunky to pick up a new tool and try to use it in a different way. Um, and it takes time and we are still using these tools, but they're really just communication tools of how to assess yourself. And it's walking through the process of what we've kind of talked about so far today is how do you assess yourself and understand yourself and understand your past and kind of look, look kind of glance back, not spending too much. I'm not a counselor, but yeah. it's 
you don't have to be a counselor to understand yourself and go, okay, I can see why I'm this way. I can see how I'm wired to view it this way. I want to see things through your, your eyes and trust that you are for me and you want to move forward. And so trusting that we'll move forward. Let's move forward together and pick up these tools together and try to work it out. Yeah. So what are some of those tools? Can we, yeah. So the first exercise is taking you through kind of going step, looking forward. The first one is called choose and choose the, what you want for choosing what you want for your marriage and what you want the outcome to be. And that can be in little things and huge overarching like themes in your marriage. I think a lot of people get married and maybe they aren't talking in the mentoring that Casey and I have done with couples. It's amazing to me how we each have a vision in our heads when everyone get, when most people get married, they have a vision of what they think marriage is going to look like or what it should look like or what it could look like or what the dream is. And they don't necessarily tell their person what their vision is. Hmm. It's amazing to me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It's fair. stunning actually. Um, and so it's, when you talk to one another, what happens is, what is disappointment? Disappointment is when reality meets a missed expectation. Yeah. And so then you look at one another and you're like, okay, this isn't working. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. <clears throat> I guess, excuse me, I guess we have to start over because it's the wrong person. But maybe it's that reality or the expectation was never discussed. And then you maybe have this expectation that, you're here and the expectation is out here, but you haven't seen how it's done. It wasn't modeled for you. Yeah, no one has sure. measure, measured you how to get there. And so you have this dream for something. And because the, you aren't just naturally getting there, it must be that you're with the wrong person or you're a wrong pairing or it just is too hard. So like, okay, well, let's dissolve this and find someone else who it might be easier to get to that place where the reality is you, it just takes a lot of let's choose together, discuss, like first let's just choose, write it all out. Little things, big things. Do you want kids? Do you want to live in a ha one house for forever? Or do you want to move every two years? That's a big thing. That alone is one big thing. Like here's an example. My husband just assumed we would get assumed that was part of his dream or his picture that we would buy a house and stay in that house for forever. I, my dad was always in education growing up. So he was going to college and in a career as a teacher and a coach, and then he'd get another job. And that was a, he was con constantly moving his career, his career as he was edu in educating himself. Then he was a principal of a school. Then he was a super assistant superintendent. Then he was a superintendent. So we were moving all the time. And that to me was like about every three, four years, I start feeling like, oh, it's time to go to a new house because yeah. that's been the entire pattern of my life. That's one small example yeah. of, do you see how that alone could be one big deal? So there's lots of little things like that, that couples can talk about as you choose, what do we want our path to look like? And then the next one would be communicate it clearly mm. to one another. Those first two steps, I walk you through how to do that in the book. Those first two steps get you on the path towards creating the life path. You're, you're not stepping into a turnkey marriage. 
No two marriages look the same. You are creating a, you are off-roading. You aren't stepping onto a nice paved path. You are off-roading. And sometimes your, your little marriage car is going to flip and roll and you're both going to be damaged by each other's words. And you're going to be in the emotional ER and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. But that's part of creating a new path and pioneering onto a, a road that you are creating together that is your one-of-a-kind marriage. Yeah. And yeah. and that is that should be approached, you know, marriage is not a happily ever after. It is, a, it's adventure. It's, you know, all the things we want a great movie to be, um, but it, it takes all of the, it's a heartbreaker. It's an adventure. It's, scary at times. It's a thriller. It's a mystery. <laughs> it's all the things, but if we can get it right in our heads that like, okay, our expectations were up here and now we need to have a realistic expectation from me, take it from me. Maybe you didn't see it in your parents or your grandparents, but you know, me as an older sister, as a mom, as a grandmother, I, I can say, okay, we're a little farther ahead. We're 33 years down the road. Let me just tell you and, and help guide you that yeah. it's to be expected and it's good. It can be great. It'll be messy, but it can be great if you hang in there and here's how you can hang in there and make it great. I, you're going to love this. I'm reading this book right now and part of it just has great language to put around like deep seated things that are hard to express and articulate. But one yeah. of the things it was talking about, it was talking about expectations and it said, you know, our expectations are born from desire and so our expectation might be manipulated. It might not, it, it might be messy, messed up, like not the right actual expression of the desire. Mm -hmm. but, if, but if we can even understand the, the expectation and then have a conversation about, well, where did that come from? What's the actual right. desire? So back to your example with, with Casey, your husband, like maybe he has a need for security. So that moving of for the house. Sure. So what's yes. his desire, his desire security? Well, what are some other ways that I can partner with you so that you feel security and then we, so we keep moving this thing forward? You're, you're spot on. You are spot on because he grew up, if you read the book, when you read the book, hopefully, hint, hint. Yep, yep, <laughs> but yep. when, when you read the book, you see like he grew up in a home where his parents were um, had, were alcoholics. And so they, they, it, he did have a desire for security. He wanted a family that felt like what he saw on television and it felt safe and where the parents loved each other, but he didn't know how to make that because he didn't have a model yeah. and he didn't, he didn't, he didn't know how to get there, but he craved it. That security, you hit the nail on the head. And so now when he comes, when he and I get married, he's already had a divorce because he tried it and it didn't work and it ended messy and sad and a heartbreaker. And so now when we get married, he's like trying it again. And so, yeah, we needed to have a lot of heart to heart conversations of like, what does security look like to you? What does it feel like? How, what did you miss mm -hmm. and what patterns are you recreating? Because who, what was he pulling into each relationship that had was modeled to him that were unhealthy patterns right. and that we all do in every relationship that we need to detangle from. We need to, that's part of self-assessment. We need to look at ourselves and see, be honest with ourselves, not beat ourselves up or be unkind to ourselves, but just say, 
oh, this is the reality of where we've come from and what we have. And we want to detangle from that. And we don't want to carry that with us into the next version of ourselves. And, and it takes time. It's not done in one reading of a book. Hopefully this book is used as a workbook. I want it to be, I, my hope is that people read it again and again as a reminder of like, I, I, I've fallen out of this doing this again. I, I forgot. I went back to what's what comes natural and what comes natural is just a habit of what I saw I've seen. And I want to do things different so that I'm going towards what I desire not actually what comes natural. And every, anyone, I just want to say, anyone, anyone, anyone can break patterns from what was handed to them. Anyone can. And start a new way in their family lineage and their legacy. Anyone can do that. You just need tools and you need a guide. And hopefully that's why I wrote this book is because I would like to say, we are not perfect. This book is full of it. This full of all of the examples, but this will show you how to navigate an imperfect life to a great story for yourself. I love that. And I love how there, there's almost a full circle here with the healthy marriage even comes back to lead yourself well. And, and if, you know, I'm going to say something that's on just underneath what you actually said, I think, but like, <laughs> if we want to, if we want to uh, invest in our marriage, the marriage is just the sum of the two people. So the best thing we can do is invest in ourselves and ask our spouse, how can we be, how can we support you being the best version of yourself? Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we, we turn on the news, we see all the things happening in the world. We see all the things. And what do we say? Like something's got to change. Something's got to change. Well, that can be, feel very disheartening and, and we can feel down pretty, pretty fast, but there is something that we can have radical change and power over radical change. You know what that is? The hardest thing ourselves. We would like to point out how all of the people at our work need to change and our spouse, maybe and our kids and maybe our neighbor and maybe, you know, the, the politicians and all the world leaders, and we might be right, but we cannot change that. All we can change is the hardest person <laughs> that we that we try to avoid changing. But the only person we have control over, if we focus all of our dissatisfaction of what's going on in the world to make ourselves the best version of ourselves, to bring our best to our best to this world, then our optimism. I mean, that's catchy. It's contagious yeah. to be around somebody who's just living, living with an optimistic attitude, outlook, working on themselves because you, you're around that person and you can't help but be that. I want to be like that. Yeah. I don't want to be like that person. I want to make that me. I want yeah. to be, I don't want to be that person. I want to make myself better. And that's where it becomes catchy. And I, I feel like that's the way that we change, um, that's the way we change the world is by changing ourselves and, and just working on all the things that we have to work on in us. And that's a, that is a full-time job and a life we will not live long enough to take out all the things that we need to change. And, but what a wonderful thing to commit to. Yes. Well, you are that person. Your energy is contagious and optimism <laughs> well, is contagious. You. And it's been a thank pleasure you. hanging out with you. I'm going to ask you, you for any, any parting thoughts or word of advice for anybody. But first, I want 
everybody to be able to find you. So tracymorrow.com. It's T-R-A-C-I. Um, and from there you can find everything you need to know about her, but also the book real life marriage. So any parting shots for, to leave us with Tracy? I just, I, well, first of all, thank you, Benj, for having me. It's been so fun spending this time with you. And I hope as you walk away from this podcast, so many times you walk away from a podcast and go, that person sounded nice. What I hope you, when you turn off this podcast, that you walk away thinking like, I am a person of value and I have more to bring to this world. And how can I get down to bringing more of myself, the better parts of myself, that there is nothing you've done, that there's nothing that has happened to you or happened in you that has disqualified you from bringing what you have to offer to this world. There has never been anyone like you. There will never be another you in this world. And so this world needs you. And so I would just encourage you to um, get to work, to bring forth what you have to offer to this world, because I can't wait to hear from you and see what you have to bring. That's a mic drop moment. Listener, if you enjoyed this, if this was valuable, please uh, pass this on. Maybe your spouse is the one you could share this with and a commitment to each other and to, to entering the mess a little more diligently together that'd be a huge step maybe it's a business partner somebody you're working with um you can almost send it as a hey let's talk through this and see where we can uh improve together so i hope you do that i hope you take action and if nothing else just like you said leave knowing you have a lot to offer the world and we'll see you next time (laughs) 